You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. This is part two of a two-part episode, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, you probably want to go back and do that. So here is a blow-up, right? So we, we, we had the spike. Here's what the spike actually looks like in 3D. And, you know, like we said, that you know what, remember that, that upper? So here it all is. You can see that basically most of this spike protein is blue. There's a little bit of green and a little bit of yellow. Where's the most green and where's the most yellow and orange? Do you see where it is? Off to the left there, yeah. You know where the RBD was and the N-terminal protein right. was? That's the area we had to make sure never mutated. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got the even though the overall coronavirus don't mutate much, the area that is mutating the most in is the area we are most vulnerable to. You're just to chock full of good news, aren't you, Fred? You're just <laughs> It's like how did this thing do this to us, right? It shouldn't do this. It shouldn't be like this, but it is. So sadly the area that is most mutagenic is also the area that we target and we are most sensitive to for mutagenesis. Uh, and the other big problem is that we're flying blind on this because we don't actually genetically sequence most of our uh, of the virus that's around. Yeah, around. I was gonna say we're we're like we're lagging way, way, way behind everybody else on this, right? We are. We just are crappy at, at what we uh, you know. So we we do a lot of it, but on a per capita basis and for amount of of viruses in the area, we don't do nearly enough, right? So uh, I, I guess. That just begs the obvious question, why is that? Yeah. You know why it is? It's because we have been spoiled. In the United States, <laughs> we've been spoiled. We sit there and we say, you know, we got this thing under control. We're monitoring the flu. We're monitoring smallpox. We're monitoring polio. And you know what? Everything's looking pretty good. And so in six months or so, I'll give you a report and tell you how we did. Well, when you, you know, so that's, that's sort right. of monitoring stuff that's in control. And we do a, we're probably the best in the world at that. The problem is now we got an active outbreak and we, we just, we just aren't ready. We just, we just said, wait a minute, oh, 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 we're waking up and we're realizing, holy cow, we don't have any infrastructure to actually be active about this stuff. So, so what you're saying basically Sorry, is as long as all the server lights are blinking green, we're, we're really, really good at that. <laughs> But but we don't we're not really good at disaster recovery and contingency planning is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but, we, but we have to really respond in real time and actually do something against something that is really active. We just are not ready, and so you can see we're we're we're, we're analyzing less than zero point three percent of all the positive samples that come through. UK seven point four percent. Australia. If you go to Australia and you come down with this, there's a better than fifty chance your 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 actual. You know, virus will be completely synthesized and know exactly what you've got, what its history is, and so on. And it really helps to know that. So now, I mean, I guess the other part of this, it, you know, Bob's Bob's always the math and numbers guy. But I mean, so I mean, is some of this just due to economy of scale? Like, what what does that less than point three percent from a raw numbers perspective? About fifty thousand a year. Okay, about fifty thousand full sequences a year. Uh, UK does about. 150,000. So that gives you a sense. But okay. So, yeah. Look, I'm, yeah. So I, I was wondering numbers versus percentages. Yeah, okay. Exactly. The numbers, we, we, we are number two in the world. The problem is we're, we've got five times the population and four times the number of, <laughs> of right. viral loads that the UK does. And so we're just getting hammered. 
because we just don't follow what's going on. And, and it turns out that's really pretty important because you have to know exactly what you're going after. These viruses come and go pretty quick. So the old Hunan virus, the, you know, the old Wuhan virus, the that we all you know created the spike protein again, right. that's been dead and gone for a year. We, that, that was gone in uh, March last year from the United States. It was completely wiped out by the European... <laughs> by by the really time we even noticed level. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. There may be a sort of 1% level of still endemic, but that's been overcome by these new viruses. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because, I mean, that's that's the interesting, like, the, the mutation rate is interesting to me, is that, you know, you're looking at about one mutation every 10 transmissions. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty high. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, compared to, uh, you're right, because these, you know, uh, you know that that's right, it is pretty high, um, but it's compared to vi- most viruses, um, you know, these viruses have two big things. Number one, they've got an editor, so it actually looks at every substitution to make sure you're not... Right. Uh, and it's got only one strand. Uh, the flu virus has four strands and no mm-hmm. editors. you got a lot, a lot more opportunity <laughs> for, for shift, what they call shift and drift. Right. Uh, so, uh, so it is about about 10 times less than the flu, 10 to 100 times less than the flu, believe it or not. Flu does that much more. Right. So it's better than the flu. Um, so the issue is, that we don't know what's going to happen when we start to put this virus under selective pressure, right? And selective pressure means we've got these new medicines, we've got these new vaccines, and all of a sudden, uh, you're going to start to kill off a lot of viruses, but the ones that survive are going to be really well suited to fight your vaccine, to fight your, your, and they'll be the ones that reproduce. Uh, and so we could start to produce some superbugs that we have a lot of trouble with. Well, yeah, and I mean, and you've talked about that here before, where, like, that's the danger of... Um, you know, the remdesivir, the, the Regeneron, yeah. that kind of stuff is if you don't knock it completely out of somebody's system with it. I mean, it's like anything else. You know, we, we've you know, we, we've talked about antibiotic resistant whatever for quite some time now becoming a problem. So, I mean, this is no different. Like if you don't completely knock it out of your system, out of the person's system, all you're doing is teaching it how to fight that mutate and become stronger. That's that's the whole thing. And, and it turns out that these mutations uh, are actually reducing Regeneron's uh, uh, effectiveness by about 30-40% and Lily's <laughs> by somewhat more than that already. Uh, so, and w- let's take a look at these at, at, at these at, at these mutations. Gotcha. Um, th- here's what the actual domain uh, the the receptor binding which looks like, and which and we've mapped out what we're concerned about, uh, and, and which uh, which of these uh, genes we're concerned about, and the two things that have happened. On the B1.1.7 variant is they've actually uh, it's a deletion, so they've actually reduced the number of, of genes, actually deleted uh, uh, two two genes. Um, and the problem was that but with that deletion, it actually increased uh, the amount of replication. And so now you've got um, things in that are mutating that are mutating faster uh, than normal. And because these, uh, are muta- they're, they're, because they're reproducing faster, they're surviving more. And so you're seeing more and more mutations adding up and piling on to these, uh, these, these deleted gene areas. If that makes sense. So you get stacking of genes occurring. Believe it or not, there are 17 new mutations on this one variant. So they've actually, because it reproduces so much faster, it actually can preserve a lot of these mutations longer than normally. That occur, and so we're getting a lot of these very rare, rare mutations that we didn't think were going to survive, and they are. And so you can see what's happening is that the spike mutation r- r- uh, rates are really high. They're they're four times higher than the rest of the virus, and two times higher than the rest of the spike protein. Uh, and they can see on that graph, uh, which which shows the amount of uh, isolates that are mm-hmm. that are uh, causing the variant. Uh, the big issue for us 
is that if you increase your R naught by 0.4 to 0.7, so we're talking about moving from 2.5 to 3.2, that increases your herd immunity. Remember, herd immunity was 1 uh, minus 1 over R naught. So all of a sudden, that target for herd immunity just got, you know, 30% higher, 40% higher. Uh, and when you're trying to go for 70, 75% herd immunity and you've got to increase that by another 20, 30%, you're talking about rarefied air, right? Right. So, I mean, and I guess that, that's I, I, just, to, just to clarify that because you've, you've got it in bold on both those is that, you know, it, it, it doesn't increase the ability of herd immunity to happen. Um, it, it increases the requirement for herd immunity. That's right. Yeah. It's a lot harder to hit it because you've got to have so much more protection out there because it's so much more transmissible. Chances are the virus is going to find somebody. And that's what's going to happen between in, in, in basically February and March. We're going, to, we're going to think, hey, you know, we're used to this COVID thing. I can take that on. Well, I used to go to the ballpark every once in a while. I used to go to this bar and restaurant and sit down and you know, have a nice meal or take, take stuff out. Or I went to Myers every week and everything was fine. Don't do that stuff because this stuff will get you. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally, <laughs> it'll, <laughs> I'll show you what happened in England. It's just scary. So at any rate. That's what's that's one big variant. That is the British variant that causes a lot more transmissibility. The other one was the South African variant. South Africa uh, tests about the same rate we do, slightly more, but about the same rate we do. And you can see the yellow bar. If you look here, you have the white bar. That's that's the variant that's coming through. That was the major variant. Uh, that, that that's the major gene type that was in COVID, right? And then you see a little bit of blue coming in, a little bit of green coming in, and then about October. October 19th or so, they had 1% of the population that they were worried about with a new variant. This new, this is the variant, the actual strain is called the 1352 strain. Uh, uh, and you can see that, you know, 1%, 1%, but November 2nd, 80%. And that's what happens when you don't test enough. All of a sudden, you just get completely overwhelmed by a brand new strain. It turns out that this strain has a mutation uh, 484. Right at that, see where that binding site is? Remember that? Yep. <laughs> the picture of the spike protein? It's yep. that. Yeah, I don't know if you can see the E484. Yep. It's right at that spot where the mutation occurred. And we're really sensitive to this. Our all the medicine is really sensitive to this. And it binds more firmly. And it, so it, 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 it actually uh, binds more firmly than, than, than we're used to. And it infects the young in a much more virulent way. And we think it might be in such a sweet spot that it might start in, uh, uh, in reducing vaccine, vaccine efficacy. We're, we're just testing that now. Yeah, I was going to say it was that that second point is the one that's concerning. Yeah, and that's the thing we're really worried about. Um, uh, the, the, what we, we have tested so far. What, so what we do is we take the we take your uh, people who have recovered, right, and we take their from from the Wuhan virus or from an old virus strain. We take their blood. We isolate the antibodies, the neutralizing antibodies in there, and then we test it against um, the, the, the variant. And we also test people who've been vaccinated against the new variant. We put, the, we put it in the petri dish and see does it does it kill it or does does the thing survive? The B one point one point seven it died, so that's that's positive uh, against the Moderna and Pfizer viruses and against natural plasma. This one uh, we're less sure. <laughs> And that, that's worrisome. So we're going to have to go through, uh, and what matters isn't so much what happens in the future, just what matters what happens in your body. And so right now, J&J &J has a big South African trial on, 
and they're going to test whether or not we can get rid of it, whether whether we really are protected against this variant or not. Uh, and we'll know that in about two, three weeks. So that's that's the, that's where we're holding our breath with. And you can see why we're holding our breath, right? So here's what happened in South Africa. That is the gray line, and you can see that August eighth. You can see that you know every, everything started to go up, right? And then they said, okay, let's 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 hunker down now. Let's, let's put in distancing situation. Let's get 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 our act together. Distancing, more mask wearing. You know, uh, let's get this thing in the bud. And sure enough, it went down. Everything was going good. And then all of a sudden, you can see right around November fifteenth, when eighty percent, eighty percent of the virus became this new variant yep. because our, our protective measures didn't work. Same thing happened in the UK, right? Up spike, down. Everything was going well. November fifteenth, October thirtieth, I said, "Oh my gosh, we gotta, we gotta lock things in." They had a huge lockdown, I mean, much bigger than we're talking about. Not going out after eight o'clock at night. Oh, you yeah, know the yeah, the UK it's, went pretty hardcore with it. Uh, we're talking about much more aggressive than what we did what we did in Michigan for sure, what we did in the United States generally. And you can see it went down for a while. We're beating this thing, and all of a sudden, this took off again. And we'll see that in the next slide here. Same thing, right? The blue is all the other variants, and you can see, you know, that around no, November fifteenth, they were starting to go up, and they, they locked it down. And the blue starts to die off, right? You see how small those blue dots are at the at, by by uh, uh, December. It says 18, 12. That's December uh, 18, 2020. Yep. The blue line is only this big now. It's not. It's not the whole thing, right? So they were really killing off the blue virus. Great news. Problem is the orange one came in and took over, and that's the, and so it, the the new one meant that the old blue lockdowns, the old new measures, the old new vaccinations, the old new medicines weren't working with the new with the new purple, with the, with the new orange. So does, free fall right so does that mean so I mean, like, you know, one of the things that, that you've mentioned on a, on on pre- previous shows is, yeah. you know, we we essentially have the capability with the efficacy of a vaccine with, you know, masks and hand washing and social distancing and that kind of stuff. Does that mean that is no longer as effective with this, or does that mean, or does this mean that it might be a little bit of that and a little bit of people being stupid? Like what? <laughs> like what? what are we- <laughs> it's mostly our behavior. Uh, the truth is that we get tired of of, of wearing masks and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, it, so fatigue we, is real, and we start and we start to feel confident, right? And then we start to you know, we st- and we start to do things that you know become normal practice, and all of a sudden the normal practice doesn't work anymore, and and that. Then we get shot. And that's what happened in Britain, right? I mean, they are in full panic mode right now. I've, I've rarely seen guys in this field who are as nervous as I've seen them, you know, and since we let well, work with Ebola. Uh, they're, they're, the guys in the UK, the guys in Edinburgh, I know, guys in, in London, uh, 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 guys in Cambridge, uh, they're as, as nervous about this situation as I saw them, you know, when we were working with with, uh, you know, much more deadly viruses. And that makes me worried because these guys know what they're doing and they're, they're worried. And so I, I, uh, I was really, for about two weeks there, I said, we got this thing, right? They said, oh man, we got the vaccine. We're talking. And I go to this conference and I'm realizing, <laughs> and, and here, here comes Billy Mays, but wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time for counterattack, right? We, we, we have our stuff. Now they're going to counterattack. I think we're still going to win this thing, but it's harder than I thought it was going to be. Every time we, I underestimate this, this, this thing. So you can see what Great Britain did, right? They put in new distancing measures that are really tough. I mean, you're not even allowed to see much of your family 
Uh, you know, groups of six aren't allowed to get together. Larger than six. Oh yeah, I've got a I've got a friend that lives in London. Um, oh, and yeah. and he's been Ontario. Don't get too excited. For no. <laughs> You know, no, not Ontario, actually London, um, and and he's been posting about this all along, and it's it's been interesting because he's been he's been very vocal about uh, you know it, it's it's almost been a little bit refreshing to see his posts just because uh, people there are as dumb if not dumber than we are here in some cases because like he was like oh yeah you know here's a picture of the pub at the end of the street um, and oh look there's everybody's in there they're all sitting at the bar nobody's wearing a mask everybody's being stupid da 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 and he's been railing about this all year. And so when they just proposed this, what is it now? A, this brand new level five lockdown. Level five. Not, he was, every city in the. I mean, we're talking about every part of the UK under level five lockdown. Yeah. Every, I mean, you know, I'm in the middle of the countryside. You know, oh, and they they started with five. they apparently started with like hit like he's right smack in the middle of it. Oh yeah, uh, London, London, Edinburgh, Glasgow. Yep. Those guys are just getting hammered. So at any rate, they they, so they came out with all sorts of new things. They said from now on. If there's a vaccine available, we're going to take it. You know, one dose, two doses, do what you can, get your vaccine. If you want to mix vaccines, you go ahead and mix vaccines. <laughs> you know, we're going to we're going to set aside whole hospitals and we're going to make COVID. You know, they are just throwing everything at this thing right now because they're in full panic mode. I mean, they're and I think we could be in that same situation at the end of February. I hate to say it, but you know, because. This has a way of repeating itself, and I think we're going to have trouble containing this thing until we get the vaccine, and and uh, and we're going to have the same problem that we have with this new variant going to come through like wildfire. So here is what they did. This is AstraZeneca's vaccine. Get a load of the difference between Moderna and Pfizer and AstraZeneca. This is what it was approved on. And the AstraZeneca vaccine, based on the data so far, seventy percent effective after two doses, and if you knock out, um, uh, you know, the the patients who are uh, are are actually uh, under 55, 55 and under. Uh, the that that number goes down to sixty two percent. And if you only get one vaccine, one, one dose, it's fifty two percent effective. And 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 the, and you have to wait eight to twelve weeks for the first and second dose. So you're talking about a huge population under a lot of pressure who are going to be only fifty percent protected for the next eight to twelve weeks um, with this thing. And then they're probably going to have to switch over to Pfizer and Moderna. That's why they said you feel, you know, if you can, you can switch over after you've taken this one. They had two, they had point two. Remember, I said, you know, our serious adverse events for yep. Pfizer and Moderna are one in a million. This is, this is, you know, uh, you know, we're talking about a couple in a thousand. Oof. Uh, so big difference. And that's because these guys are, as I said, full panic mode. They're still testing this. And, and you know, when, when it cuts approved by the United States, they'll have better, better cases and they'll have more. Uh, and more statistically significant stuff, but right now, um, if you're uh, if you have a choice between Pfizer, Moderna, or AstraZeneca, there is no choice. You take that Pfizer, Moderna shot every time because it's that much better. So, just I mean, it's it's been in the news uh, pretty recently where. Uh, okay, so there was this, you know, we had there, there was, a, well, allegedly there was because now it turns out there may not have been. Um, but there was a stockpile of doses kind of held back to make sure the people who got the first dose were going to be able to get their second dose. Yeah. And and hey, let's just go ahead and release all of them. Because it's better that more people get one dose than we guarantee that people get two doses. Is is yeah. that sound thinking? Is that I'll, I'll, so I'll show you the analysis. I, I actually okay. was involved in some of the analysis, but I, I can actually show you the analysis. Um, let, let's just jump. I think I, uh, I think I, I can do that. 
Oh, I gotta wait. I gotta wait. If you, you want, I, I can jump to that. Yeah, now. no, we can. No, we can. We're go, yeah, we can get to it whenever we get to it. Yeah. So, so now we've talked a little bit about vaccine, how much is prevented by the vaccine. Now let's go into the percent of the population vaccinated, and you're talking about actually getting the vaccine into people's arms. And there are three challenges: production, distribution, and whether people actually take the thing. <laughs> so let's take a little a little look at each of those uh, factors. The first thing you're going to talk about uh, is why we could start to look like Britain and why I'm worried about it. We're going to have a peak. We're going to come down a little bit off that peak. We're going to say, ah, we're getting back in control. That's good. And then the new variants are going to come out and we're going to have another bump in March. And that bump is going to be really scary because we're going to be, you can see that basically my projection was 3,000 deaths will overwhelm about 10% of the country. We were having over 3,000 deaths today and California was overwhelmed. Right. So that gives you a sense of what that looks like. Arizona is also overwhelmed now. So uh, that, and what happens if you get to six or 7,000 deaths a day is you start to overwhelm large parts of the country. And when you start to overwhelm the hospitals in large parts of the country, your death rate just goes right to the roof. I mean, in, in Italy, it was uh, times 10.8 10, 10, 10, 10. times what would normally happen if you were able to actually take care of the people who got sick. And, and then Italy, they had to be triaging and said, okay, so this guy's not going to make it. Move to the next person. Well, yeah, I mean, and there's there's a ripple effect there because, I mean, if your hospital is full of, you know, COVID patients on ventilators, somebody has a heart attack, where are they going to go? You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. No chance, right? And so that's what's going to happen to us is we're going to start to feel some of this pressure if, if some of the hospitals in our region start to get overwhelmed. We're going to say, hey, gosh, you know, I was supposed to go in for a knee replacement. I can't do my knee replacement, right? I, I have some chest pain. I, I don't really want to go to the hospital. And then you got your, you know, rocking a hard place. The big thing is that as you, as the hospital guys, they're worried about saving lives now. And so if they're all working trying to save everyone's lives with COVID, they're not, they're not, uh, taking care of a lot of the vaccinations that are occurring. They're doing the best they can to, to split that up, right? But they don't have that much staff available. Everyone's working like hell 12 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they're getting tired. And so you got staff, hospital staff to really do vaccination. You got a lot of new training requirements. You got a, a lot of, um, uh, other treatments that also are limited, and all of a sudden you just get a, a, a bad kind of cycle of uh, of you know more 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 uh, cases, uh, less treatment, more cases, less treatment until finally you get a lot more deaths. Right. Um, the same thing's true about the regulators, right? That's what happened in the UK. They went ahead and said, "Okay, AstraZeneca, you cobble together four different studies, figure it all out, give us the best we can." Okay, you made it over fifty percent. You're 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 good to go. We could get into that situation in the United States. I, I, I hope not. And, of course, uh, we haven't given much funding to the states either. So all those things are starting to add up, and I'm afraid we're going to get in a bad situation uh, in the next few weeks. So how do you manage that? So if you there, there are two different scenarios I ran with my model. The first was to say we celebrate the fact that we have vaccines. We relax everything. We say everyone's open. Go ahead. Feel free to go to bars. We're going to have a vaccine. People will be saved soon enough. If you do that, you're on the red line. And that red line is not a good line to be on. We'll be at five, 6,000 deaths a day uh, across the United States. But in fact, peaking could be as much as 70,000 deaths a day if, if we relax everything we're doing and also open the whole economy up because we're happy we got the vaccine, right? That's a possible scenario. And there are some states that will do that. Uh, and I, I work with some of those states, you know, where they're saying, we're going to tread, you know, we're home free. We got the vaccine. Other states are saying, no, no, no. And we want to really get this under control so we don't have as much to, we don't have as much of a hurdle to come through with. And um, that frankly, Michigan is more like that. And we'll get we'll get to that in a second. You can see that the difference here is you could have 69% more deaths a day if you don't do anything versus if you do something between now and April. 
that's a big difference, right? Because you're talking about having surges upon upon surges upon surges. You're allowing you never have a break. You're always you know increasing, increasing, increasing. Um, and uh, we were on that we were on that road from basically October until Christmas. If we can allow that to continue, it looks bad. If we start to control it and get on the green line, we're we're that much better. Now here's the other factor. Let's take now let's put, let's inject vaccine so to speak into the scenario. What happens is that if you're on the red line and you inject vaccines, but you don't allocate them very effectively, you say first come first serve. Whoever gets it gets it. That's fine. You'll find that. Uh, and you started off at a really high level, you'll find that basically you're going to have 2.25 times more deaths and your GDP will suffer, uh, be about minus 20% versus the states that go ahead and actually try to reduce the level that they're at at a starting point of the vaccine and then go down from there. Their, their, their economies actually will do pretty well, uh, and they'll save a lot of lives. The really sad thing about being on the red line is that believe it or not, when you get to that thousand deaths a day, what happens to your R is you never get that R for a sustained period below below one, which means you're reproducing more than you're uh, you're, you're killing it off, and you start to hover, and it takes you literally years to get down to herd immunity. If you start at too high a point, you can't get you can't break the cycle, and that's scary to watch when you run the cycle and you go, God, how am I going to kill this thing off? And the answer is well. 2025, 2027, you want to find it and go, God, right? take it, please. (laughs) So that's why it's so important to do everything you can now. And why Biden's saying, you know, that 100 days, 100 million, that's not a big, even that's not big enough. We got to go, we got to go, go bigger than that. Uh, We got to, we got to get the 150 million infections by that point. We have to do. Is that even technically possible though? Well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. (laughs) We'll get to that in a second. The answer is, um, the, the, that first hundred days for Biden is going to be super important. If he has, if he doesn't get a, you know, someone in, in place at, H, at HHS and FDA, if he doesn't, if he sort of spins his tires with the Senate, uh, man, it is going to be bad for a long time. Now here's what Michigan looks like. So Michigan is on that green line, right? We're, we, we're getting our death rate down. Okay. So, uh, that's good. Well, you know, whew, uh, Here's what the rest of the U.S. looked like in that blue line, right? And you can see the U.S. just kept going and going and going. Michigan, uh, they had a big lockdown on November 17th. Most of the rest of the states didn't do that. And so we actually dropped. Well, I'm aware. Allegedly, there there are people that are driving down to Ohio to, to hit bars and restaurants and that kind of stuff. Allegedly. Oh, who would Hypo- do that? Hypothetically speaking. That? I just, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I've heard well, stories. Everyone that watches Letterkenny, by the way, is laughing at you for when you say allegedly. If you know I mean. Oh, I, yeah, I know. Allegedly. Okay. All right. Something to do with an ostrich. I don't know. It's crazy. What's interesting is the border, along the borders, uh, if you look at, at, at orange and if you look at across the border, right. Ohio and Indiana, those things are red and orange. And same thing with the Wisconsin border. So we're, we're, we're lucky we're a peninsula, right? We don't have any of this border stuff happening. Canada is all pretty, uh, is, is even lighter than the light yellow we've got. Uh, across most of, of what we touch, uh, at, whereas Ohio, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois, those guys are all on fire, as is Wisconsin. And so what's interesting is you just see that. <laughs> the, we're, so in our middle of our state, we're pretty well protected, but it's the borders that are, uh, are getting overrun. <laughs> that Toledo corridor, you can see that Toledo corridor right, right north. You're right. I, so the data is supporting your theory that allegedly people may be going to Ohio to get a couple drinks here and there. <laughs> What's uh what's going on up there in Luce County though? Oh man, yeah. So 
It's it's, kind of a interesting. I I look at the data, and they they only have about fifteen hundred people in these counties. So even like one case, one death, they only had one death uh, in these county uh, in in this period. Uh, And even that, two of you into the worst category possible in the whole United States. So it may just be. Uh, sampling area where you're talking about such a small population. Uh, statistics and percentage, yeah. Eventually, it'll, it'll average back out. But right now, some of those com- some of those counties are overrepresented, sadly, uh, in, in the UP. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, overall, the, the, the big question was November 17th. Did that, did that, was that a good idea? Right now, the data indicates, wow, you know, it really helped out because we're right way down the curve. So what happens when you get into really bad trouble I would, but, you know, it doesn't matter what the law says, right? Uh, you know, it, it does help. But the truth is that it, it, if we start to go on to, you know, you know 20,000 cases a day, 30,000 cases a day, people aren't going to want, want to go to your business anyway. They're going to be too scared to go. And, that, and basically, the law, you know, does create a, a barrier to some extent. But the truth is most of it's about whether people are feeling safe or not. And so right now people are feeling, feeling a lot safer and, and, and that's good, but do your stuff now because I'll, I'll tell you in three weeks, you're going to be overwhelmed with this music. I mean, I, sadly, I, I, I wish I believed what you just said to be true, Fred, but I mean, the, the sad reality is, I mean, you look cause we've talked about this on the show for the last few weeks now with all the studies that have come out that basically it is the worst, most annoying, crappiest people by and large, that are the ones going out to restaurants and bars but you don't where want they're to, open. Yeah, so yeah, so again, it hurts your business if you got that kind of population in your bar. Uh, and I can understand why these restaurant owners are so frustrated because you know our numbers are down, numbers have gotten better. We, we did a bit, but you can see how much variation there is. I mean, there's some variations like uh, they're just you know see those little lines that are really completely over the red line. The, yeah. the dark red line shows the average, but there's some real high sort of spikes. You sort of go. Whoa, is that a data factor? Is that really where we're at? And we're just not testing enough, right? Right. You sort of say, wait a minute, you know, what's what's the real number? And all those pink lines are really close to the dark red line. I feel a lot more comfortable. Well, I can understand sort of where, I said, I I don't work for for Michigan, uh, but I can can sort of understand why if I was the guy in the seat deciding whether to shut down or not, I'd be looking at those outliers going, geez, Louise, what's the truth, you know? Right. It's a, a little bit tight. So overall, I think Michigan did the right thing. And I got, I got no, no, uh, uh, no horse in this race at all, but basically we got we drove the numbers down uh, statistically, and the rest of the U.S. is is really in bad shape. Um, here is what is going to really change. Um, so if you are are in businesses or doing the things on the far right hand side, don't do that anymore. When the no buffets, ends, get out of here, Fred. <laughs> no buffet for you, Bob. <laughs> I miss buffets. No I need to. Be <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't do this stuff because because the new if the new variant comes in the way we think it's going to come in, and that, and you got a you got a few weeks before it really starts to pick up. But if it comes in the way we think it's going to come in, this stuff is going to kill you. I mean, it really is going to be different. So, and I think that so, and I've said this all along. I think one of the issues that like bars and restaurants have in general is I, I truly think they have a PR problem. I feel bad this one. I, 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 well, I, I, well, I do because the reality is, is you know, with anybody who pops positive, 
Because again, you have the worst people on the planet that are out doing this stuff. That are you know, if, if you are the kind of person that is likely to go out, you are the kind of person that is likely to go out to a bar or a restaurant, and probably be asymptomatic. So, right, you know, and so, but if you pop positive, you are more, I would you are more likely to say, oh yeah, I was at Temple Bar or I was at Old Shillelagh, as opposed to oh yeah, I was in my ba- I was in my buddy's basement with twenty five other people. You're never going to throw your buddy under the bus, but you'll throw the bars and restaurants under the bus. And that's what's happening. Yeah, if you want to see each other and they're getting together, and, and just be, just be just be aware that this new mutation's coming through, the new variants coming through, and so the stuff that's currently you know in yellow that becomes orange, the stuff that's in orange that gets, that just gets off the chart. Okay, and uh, and and bottom right, Bob, no karaoke. That's uh, that's just how that goes. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I just like no. I just think these are funny. Like. Um, they like they, it's almost like they got them in like little, little. Where do we put? Friend uses your bathroom. Like, what is that even like? <laughs> who even thought to put that we anywhere? That. We got numbers for that. Trust me. Right. <laughs> Gee, no. the friend. How often you clean? What the yeah. bathroom is? How about I was how healthy. How many turns? We have we have numbers for that. Yeah, I was healthy, and then Jimmy shit in my bathroom, and now I got the Rona. <laughs> oh, okay. like, yeah, that's the aerosols. Be careful. You don't want to do that. <laughs> But you would think like visit an elder in their home would be like top of the food chain just because oh, yeah. of the rate and you know, old, old people. people in this. You got to be really careful with the vulnerable in your life. Uh, uh, and then uh, out of March, I think in April we'll have a lot better control by, by mid April, early May, June. That time frame will start to get more control. But these next few months, it's like, oh my gosh. And I think public pool doesn't chlorine kill the Rona. You'd think that would be like the safest place on the planet. <laughs> it does unfortunately it also uh and it's pretty moist so that, that's that's a good thing uh word's banned from the show time. fred <laughs> <laughs> anyway so so this, these are the guidelines now and my guess is that you can that we'll have to start shutting down i give it through middle middle of february and all all of a sudden this whole that, that a lot of this stuff is going to be red so um so basically if if the rules relax on february 1st Dive in with both feet and make that money while you can, is what you're saying. <laughs> Move to Toledo. Yeah. I, well, just or else, or else be, be, or else do all the right things. And maybe you won't have the outbreak, right? That, that would be ideal. Well, no, because I mean, I, I mean, cards on table. So, like, you know, one of the things that, I mean, just from my own personal perspective, you know, we're starting to get, um, you know, more and more shows that are wanting yeah. to be in studio right. as opposed to being remote. Yep. So and February is your window. Well, and, and no, and, and and we have. I mean, we've had probably. I think we've had. Well, by the end of this month, we will have had ten new shows start um, in studio, and which which from a business perspective, great. But I mean, I'm also, you know, no, we're not having. You know, we're at half capacity in the studios, and nine times out of ten, I get them up and running, and then I walk out of the studio. Uh, you know, I've always got, you know, the fan blasting on high. So it's running through the filtration system and filtering yeah, the air as much as possible. The, that, that's the thing you want to do, right? You want to, you want to say, you know, we've got the thing down. We want to keep it down. You have a really a much more dangerous mutation coming through the system. So let me do everything I can to possibly stop it because if everyone feels scared. They're not going to come anyway. You can open up all you want, but if everyone says, gosh, you know, who wants that? You know, that's, it's too scary. 
out there right now and, and it'll hurt your business even more and you're gonna have to shut down a longer period of time well so, and 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 yeah. yes and no you know it's like i was saying earlier i mean you will always have people that, that are willing to go out in person and that kind of stuff you know but and then there's a coin toss you know there's, there's the yeah. flip side of that where you know i get people asking me hey should you know should i still wear my mask in the studio and and i always say look here's the deal my standard answer to that is no that if, if, if honestly, you know, as, as much as I swap out all the mic muffs and, and we clean everything and all that stuff, if you're genuinely that concerned about it, stay home and come in via Zoom. Yeah. Because the whole point of being in studio is to get that better sound quality. And if you're wearing a mask over your face, it's that why you might as well come in via Zoom and, and be safe, you know, and be safe and be happy and be comfortable with it. So your best your best shot for, for making hay end of January through kind of, uh, you know, end of february after that you know people are you're going to start to see the uptick again and it's going to be challenging uh uh we're not 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 to shut everything down really fast the time to buy plane tickets that are reimbursable probably middle of march Everyone, <laughs> right? at that point you want to kind of reserve for september because then the vaccine will kick in and people travel where you like and then i shouldn't tell you all this stuff because it's it, it's not it's not good epidemiology but you know just practically that's what's going to happen right so at any rate uh, so we, we decided to do things pretty complicated. We've got two allocations, as you guys know, right? Every day, the uh, U.S. CDC gets, you know, here's what Moderna produces, here's what Pfizer produces, pull it all together and say, okay, Michigan, you're about, you know, you're 10 million of the 330 million population. You get your allotment based on that population and people, how many how many vulnerable you got. And then Michigan takes it and says, oh, you know, let me really uh, parse that out. And that makes sense because you don't want to have this too centralized, right? You don't want to have, like, Washington trying to figure out what you should be doing up in in Chiawasha Township, right? right. Don't. Uh, so, so it, it makes sense what they're what they're doing, but it's super complicated and it slows stuff down. And we're sitting here, you know, on the verge of having a big mutation coming through and a big variant coming through that could yeah, really could change the game. So, you know, we tried to prioritize based on who's likely to be who's going to be hospitalized, who cares for the sick, and who provides the mental services. That, those are the first priorities. And we, that's what we did, and, we, and I'll show you what that looks like. But you're going to have to expect discrepancies from state to state. Maybe that you're going to be better off getting vaccinated in Ohio. There's going to be a lot of gamesmanship going on. People will be sitting standby and getting you know shots at 18. Uh, the guys at 80, who are 87 aren't getting their shots. There are no real-time feedback loops. Basically, we 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 put our we, on Tuesday. We get uh, the hospitals say we want to have X number of doses. We think we can serve that many next week. On Thursday, that all gets sent in from the state. On Tuesday, the next week, the, the shipments all come in, and you don't know whether you're going to get a thousand doses or two thousand doses. You know, and, and so then you got to scramble so you got the right people. So it's not, it, you know, we don't have these real time information that we really need to have, and of course we got these allocations that are a little bit confusing and hard to sign up for. So we're having some challenges just getting the vaccine out. With that, let's take a look at how we decided to prioritize. Right, first thing we looked at is. How much seropositivity do we have? How many people who were sick are out there with antibodies that'll protect them? And the answer is, even though we've had this much death, and this is why Sweden didn't work, by the way, um, we're only about 10, we're slightly less than 10% of the people seropositive in the United States. So 10% of the people have had the disease and have a little bit of protection. 50 people, we think it's about 52% for eight weeks. Uh, and the rest of us are still completely susceptible. Even though we've had, you know, as many infections as we've had, even though we have as many deaths as we've had in the United States, that's what the numbers are. And that's why it's almost impossible to get through natural uh, sicknesses and recovery to a herd immunity level, because you got to get 70 to 80%. Uh, 
And you can see how much death and destruction we've had just by trying to get to 10%. So the next question was, okay, so we got to vaccinate some people. Who do we vaccinate first? The answer is we want to avoid overwhelming the hospital because that's what kills people. The answer to the first question is who gets sick and goes to the hospital? People over 65. So let's vaccinate those guys first because they're going to start. Yeah, that was that was the whole point behind flatten the curve originally was exactly. protect the hospitals. Protect the hospitals. So 65 and over, they'll get their vaccines first. And the other thing was, turns out people of color are, are three to four times more likely to go to the hospital than, than white people. So better vaccinate those guys because they're going to fill up your hospitals too. Uh, so they, they also are, are important. And th- frankly, there are a lot of our essential workers are in those categories. They're likely to be people of color, Hispanics, and so on. Those are a lot more, you know, uh, sadly, of the people who are face-to-face service people uh, who are providing essential services are really critical to jabbing us, you know, up and running are people of color. And so they're going to get the vaccination first because they're more important. Then we've got the... Uh, people who are sick. And the answer is, if you've got a lot of multiple conditions, you are more likely to go to a hospital. If you've got diabetes, you're pretty high, you know, you're, you're in a bad risk category. If you've got diabetes and congestive heart failure, you're really likely to go to a hospital if you get COVID. So you want to get those guys vaccinated. The issue we've got is that heavy, so people who have body mass indices of over 40% and people who have diabetes are a lot more likely to, to have bad complications of COVID. And the truth is, um, we uh, they are also slightly less protected by the vaccine, where the dosing isn't quite as perfect for those people as, as we'd like it to be yet. Uh, we'll find out more, but uh, sadly, there's great. Now we're going to get fat shamed by a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to make some adjustments and tweaks. And those are the kind of things that people are talking about. We may have to tweak the vaccine a little bit here when we get things like that. And those are some of the tweaks we're talking about. Next question was, okay, what, what kind of professions are getting sick? And you can see the people who are at more risk are, are on the, are on the right hand side. You are less risk are at the, are on the, are on the left hand side. Um, and then we also figured out what the, how well they're being paid. But guess who's really in the right in the, in the crosshairs for COVID? That's registered nurses. The nurses are just getting absolute, and all the green, you can see how much green. That's all, those are all the healthcare workers. Right. Those guys get uh, prioritized. And so um, that's how we prioritized. And, and, and now we decided, okay, we're going after the A1s and the B. And the, uh, so we have phase one, two, three, four. In phase one, 20, that's about, about 20 million people who are in phase one across the whole United States. We're going through ABC of those. A are, as you know, uh, from the CDC side, we're saying those are the people who are in nursing homes because they were, uh, you know, sadly 40 times more likely to die than people who weren't. Uh, and those are healthcare workers. So easy to find. They're all localized. Everyone's going to agree and consent. Yes. So we're going to do those first. That's one A. Uh, B is you're going to have some essential workers mixed into the mix. And then, uh, in, in phase C, uh, one C, you're going to have over 65s and 75s mixed into an older population, uh, especially those with chronic conditions. That's the first phase. Uh, and we're partly through that. And the government's saying it's too complicated. We're going to let, open this up to anyone over 65, basically. Um, and that's going to help get the vaccines out. Because right now what's happened is we had a policy of holding back vaccines. And we didn't have, we weren't as ready as we should have been. So we didn't get all the consent forms signed. And so things are going more slowly than we wanted to. We well, have more manufacturing than administration. And, and is, I was going to say, it isn't some, like, I, I don't, it, I, from one of the things I read, like, they weren't necessarily accounting for the, Okay, you get the shot, and then somebody has to sit there and watch you for fifteen to thirty minutes. Oh, 
Yeah, that's a that's a killer, right? You're supposed to do it with flu, but we've done it so often that we don't basically we just let, let, let people walk off. Right. But with this thing, it's, it's new enough and you've got enough, you know, questions about it that you want to have everyone sit there for 15, 20 minutes. And if you're vaccinating 100 people an hour and you got to let, you know, 100 people wait uh, for, for half an hour, you got 50 people sitting, milling around who could infect each other. Right. You could have a super spreader event right in the vaccination site because we just saw in those curves that when you just got the day one of vaccination, you're just as susceptible as anybody who isn't vaccinated. Yep. And a lot of asymptomatic walking around there. So, yeah, so we're that 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 was also a miscalculation. And what the truth is, in distribution is we're not very good at high volume vaccination. We're not set up for that. We're set up for onesie twosies at Walgreens and you know and and, and CVS. We're not ready to vaccinate a thousand people in a day. Well, and and you also said, I mean, I, I remember from earlier okay. conversations, you all you also have the complication with like the Walgreens and the CVSs of the world with the Pfizer vaccine because of the storage requirements. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have minus 70 degrees. Right. You're talking about a really high technology stuff here. So three options, right? The first option is we got problems with manufacturing. We'll take a look at that. Second option, we got problems with distribution. Third problem is we got problems with communication. One of those three things is bottlenecking and stuff. And right now, it's distribution. We'll get into that. So our goal in December was 20 million vaccines. Uh, we actually shipped 12 million. We actually injected 2.7 million. Not really good. <laughs> now... But, uh, Joe Biden says he wants to inve- uh, you know, inject 100 million people in the first 100 days. We think that manufacturing will be at a 200 or so million dose uh, per year run rate. So we could, you know, that's that's uh, that's that's uh, not bad. We're on track for that. Um, we uh, we think we can uh, our absolute maximum is 125 million per year uh, through the, the current system. We think we're going to be under that. We think it'll be around 100 million in that period. And it's more likely to be 75. So we still think that the bottleneck is likely to be <coughs> be distribution. Gotcha. Which is disappointing. Uh, but that's what we think. And so here's what things look like. Manufacturing. Manufacturing is really high tech. I mean, we're talking about little microscopic uh, living or, you know, uh, living very carefully constructed organisms that have to be cell cultured. Step one is you create a DNA template. The DNA template then is the is the template that allows the R the mRNA the messenger RNA to be synthesized on top of it, right? Well, to make a DNA template, you've got to do uh, a lot of cell culture work with sort of black art. Then you and it's all in living systems, right? You're not talking about mixing some chemicals and hoping for the best. It's it, and, uh, you're talking about you know, keeping things warm and letting cells yep. do their thing. And oh my god! And then you got to linearize the whole thing. So you got to make them flat so they can reproduce. Then you got then you put the whole thing on top of uh, and then you culture it again. With the DNA, with all the RNA substrate, and you got to, by the way, replace the. You gotta, there's some special things we're doing in order to create a more stability. Uh, 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 um, you're replacing certain amino acids, and you can see that on the bottom of the page, that is a very precise, exactly what you need: mRNA, messenger RNA. All those sequences, all those chemical bonds, are precisely have to be in the right place. They can't be mutated; otherwise, it won't work. You've got to you've got to create uh, stability factors on the on the uh, you can see the five, the five prime cap on the one side on the left hand side and the polyadenosine on the other side that that leaves everything really stable and then you ship all that to a new facility in Kalamazoo <laughs> to actually then you actually have, have to wrap that all up in lipids in fat and so you can see what the end result is you got this really carefully manufactured you know plasmid inside uh, this lipid layer, completely encased in just the, in just the right proportions, 
and just the right size. It can't be 150 nanometers. That's going to start to get collected and bollocks up in your liver and your kidneys. It can't be too small because otherwise they won't recognize it as an antigen. Uh, and, and so it's got to be just that size and it's got to be, a, you know, you, so you're talking and then and then you, you, you construct all that, you encapsulate all that, you formulate all that. And then you got to bring it and you got to fill it. And the filling stations all have to be sterile. And remember how we talked about that that group and yep. and, 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 and and so this is where things could really screw up. This is how you could get you know six adverse events and twenty one thousand vaccines because you might have a little bit of DNA template left in your uh, you didn't purify quite right. Your, your liver production may not have had quite the right size, so they could have a few adverse events there. Or probably most likely is that somehow in the sterilization process at Catalent, um, in this case in Indiana they may not have been completely sterile and that's what we're both worried about is we've got a we've got a a bad batch a whole batch that went bad in the in the fill and finish process and then you gotta get so that has to always be super sterile and sterile facilities are really hard to manage you know, oh yeah also you know what it looks like I and mean, everyone's in white suits you got the negative pressures you got uh, everything's being carefully washed special water deionized everything. so you know that that's that's complicated mm-hmm. it, it took me two and a half years to get some some manufacturing sites qualified luckily catalan already has this in production uh we'll see whether that was their problem or not the other pro- big problem is then you got to ship the thing at minus 70. Uh, uh, and in the case of Moderna, it's minus 20. That's still pretty high technology capability. And, and that, that could have also gone bad because all you've got in this thing, get this, is a, a fat cell, some salt, some water, and some messenger RNA. That's all that's in it. There's no preservatives. There's <laughs> it's, no it sounds so simple. <laughs> no additives or preservatives. That's the good stuff. There's not, there's nothing in there except basically, you know, saline solution and, and a little bit of fat and a little, a little bit, bit of MSG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. So, well, and I guess, so, so I mean, I mean obviously, like looking at this slide, I mean, my first question is, is, is there no, is there no way to do this all in one location? <laughs> I mean, rather, yeah, rather, it is possible to do one location. The thing with the thing about Moderna is it's a new company, and so they didn't have any facilities, so they had to outsource it all. Right? Gotcha. And then with with Pfizer, they are they were already in complete production with, with their facility, but they uh, they couldn't afford all the capacity in all the different areas, so they had to freeze things up in certain areas, and certain capabilities are uh, you know are better in other in other places to do this in scale. So, well, I mean, you know, they still got to keep pumping out Viagra. Let's be clear. I mean, that's you know. <laughs> Priorities. There, there are some necessities involved. That's why it has to be kept so cold is because there's nothing in this except really pure stuff and you want it and it's no, there's no preservative. So uh, that's why the cold chain is really critical. Interesting. And so here's so here's what I what the manufacturers told OWS. They said we're gonna be at about this these levels of production. And right now, sure enough, you know, at the end of January, we will have about fifty million doses. Uh, from our best projections, we have we've already sent out 35 million. We have another 15 million that are going to be done this this month, uh, this week, excuse me, and we have five million in, in reserve that we were and that we're all going to release now. Um, and so this is what we think it's going to look like. And you can see that by the time you get to April, what's going to happen is J and J should come on in March if they do that in full blast because they've got big facilities right. They're already pretty pretty scaled. Yep. Um, that we should. Uh, be able to vaccinate about uh, get at least one dose of 
of one of these vaccines into almost 200 million people without even having another supplier come in board, which is pretty amazing. And as you get toward 200 million people, what happens is you start to get people who really don't want to have the vaccinated. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. There are about 65 million children. They can't be vaccinated. We got about 65 million people who think that COVID is a hoax, not a, it's overblown. Uh, they're angry about things. Um, and they're just, they don't believe this vaccines are, are that effective to begin with. A whole bunch of things that are causing people to be unhappy and angry about the whole situation. You can't blame them. It's a crappy situation. And then you got 30 million people who are really against vaccines generally. You add all those together and you, then you look at how many people you need to get to herd immunity. Well, the old and the old variant, we need about 280 million people. We, we need about 82%, I think. Yeah, I think that's what you were saying. Yep. For, for herd immunity. The reason you say that is you can see where herd immunity has occurred. Like Taiwan, they've got about 82% people, you know, uh, distance, uh, distance capability. Um, and so that's, I think we have to be about 280. Now with this new variant, we think we actually have to be closer to three. This should be up to three, 10. It should be 300 million people. We think about, so out of 330 million people we got in the United States, 90% are going to have to be vaccinated to really feel like... So, so what, I'm, what I'm hearing, Fred, is is people should just shut up and stop talking about herd immunity. Because, I mean, because, it, it, yeah. <laughs> well, no, we, we there will be herd immunity in certain bubbles, in certain communities. We right. That. And, we'll, and we'll talk a little about that in a second. But you can get a sense of just how fast this could scale based on what the manufacturer told us. Now, they may screw up. There may be... And, they're, they're, you know, we've got to do a few things. We have to tweak a few things with fill and finish. We can get another... 10% out of that because we're dripping now a little bit here and there with overfilling slightly with the Pfizer vaccine. We got a new back. We got it. We got, we can, we can switch in some new machinery that automates some, some steps. But fundamentally, uh, this is what we think we can get to as being in the manufacturing side. So I don't think if everything is true, what we're saying, uh, we're going to have that much capacity issues compared to distribution. Distribution is going to be another story. And this was the question about the one dose. They weren't saying let's just have one dose and call it a day. They were saying let's have one dose and then come back. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, in, in, in a, in a, hopefully in the right time. But even if we're just a little bit off, it's still going to be better to have one dose and then you know twenty eight. Maybe it's thirty days. Maybe it's thirty five days. But it'll be in that range of still being acceptable to get that second dose. And the reason we said that is because of that ramp up. And what's going to happen is by the time we get to about one hundred eighty million doses that we need to do in the second round, that'll be kind of April. Um, to May. And at that point, we can come back to February, which is only, you know, about 60 days uh, old, uh, and come back and vaccinate those next groups uh, at a a worst possible scenario. So if you do all the math, it turns out that um, if your one shot gives you 58% effectiveness, it's better to give yourself one shot and eliminate all the severe disease to avoid the hospitalization. Um, than to try to go through and get to 95% with two shots. And the reason we're saying that is because with two shots, we can only manufacture, we can only inject 86 million people. With one shot, we can do 140. So that becomes the math, right? If you can, you can, you know, and that, and the break even there, 58% of 140 is the same as 95% of 86. That's the break even. So if you do all the math, you you track it with that, Bob? Is it math making sense for you, man? No, <laughs> <laughs> the one, the one forty times times fifty eight versus carry the two, got to carry yeah. the two. There's a there's a pie in there somewhere. There's a yeah. There, there's like going to be. Pie. A, be sure to put the e in there. We got an exponential right. stuff. So yeah, 
<laughs> have some imaginary numbers in there. But basically, the worst scenario is that if we are truly at 52% effectiveness, which is what we came up with as the worst possible scenario for between doses of Pfizer, then we have 8.2 million excess deaths. But if we're at the 82% effectiveness of Pfizer uh, uh, through a longer period of time, then we're going to save 33 million people. So that's sort of what we're talking about in terms of the break even. And here are the oh, and I and I did that also with a with a fairly advanced uh, model that did Monte Carlo simulation, and I, I don't have that anymore. But I basically, it came out to show you that you get a better, a slightly better impact if you try to do the one dose scenario. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Slightly better. Um, um, and here, so vaccination rates, that really has to improve. Here's where we are in the United States. In Michigan, we're kind of in the middle of the pack now. We were in the bottom 20%. Uh, now we're uh, kind of in the middle of the pack. Uh, we're, uh, we're at about 46%. So on average, we're 47. I'm sorry, this is, this is Michigan. No, this is Michigan right here. We had 773,000 chips. We injected through 47% vaccination rate. That's about average for the United States. Uh, you can see that so for the people who are really truly protected, only 0.5%. That's pretty crappy. So here is the distribution piece. And this is why this is so hard. We started out with about 35, uh, uh, we started off with about 35 million dose capacity in the United States. And Pfizer says that by the end of this year, they will be at a capacity of 2 billion doses. And Moderna says they're going to be at a capacity at the end of this year at 1.2, at the end of 2022. So it takes some time, but basically by, by January 1st or so, they're going to be at 1 billion doses. And they're, so they're, we're scaling up a, a distribution that has 35 available million doses to one that has, you know, almost, uh, what, 3.2 billion dose capacity to, to be shipped around. From a production standpoint, right. Well, so production is 3.2 billion. Our capacity to distribute is 35 million <laughs> at the beginning of last year. Right. So you got you got you got to scale a little bit. <laughs> that's a problem. And so that's what we're facing, right? You got a completely unscaled, fragmented supply chain. You got everything super regulated in that space, right? Uh, and people are moving pretty slow with big players like Hessen and you know guys who are used to working with zed out processes and uh, you know the very careful control systems and everything regulated by the FDA. And you got manufacturing that's going to be changing quite a bit as new producers roll in, right? Moderna says minus 20, Pfizer says minus 70, J&J is going to be two to eight degrees, you know, all, and people are going to go, oh, one dose versus two dose. You got right, which which fridge and or freezer am I supposed to put this in? Don't yeah. shake, don't, don't shake, don't stir. You want to use this vaccinator for this vaccine, this vaccinator for the other vaccine. You need to have, you know, 0.3 micrograms for this one, uh, 100 micrograms for that one. It and and it's just like oh my god, and then you've got the then you got the logistics of minus twenty degrees. You've got the wastage. We have a twenty five percent wasted twenty percent wasted factor when you talk about these kind of ultra ultra cold storage environments, um, and uh, then you've got all these information systems that are have no they've never talked to each other and they never will. <laughs> and a lot of it's on paper, and you just look at this thing and you go holy cow, you know this is really going to be hard. And sure enough, we're having some, some challenges. And then you've got all sorts of questions about whether you have enough raw materials, not just with the vaccines that are, have really rare raw materials involved with them, but even things like dry ice, even things like stoppers, even things like uh, uh, the right kind of glass, the right kind of injectors, uh, the right kind of reagents. All those things have to have be enough, enough 
and, and then they have to be all mixed together at the right time. And, and uh, the supply can just super constrained. So that gives you a sense of some of the challenges in the distribution part of that. And sure enough, you know, when you look at what's going through well, the states that are basically pretty low density states, like West Virginia, South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, they're doing pretty well because our biggest problem with distribution is actually trying to scale the high throughput sites. It's things like getting 5,000 people a day vaccinated to Ford Field. We just not set up for that. We are set up to do, you know, 100, 100 a day at the local logging. But as far as getting a lot of people vaccinated fast, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Again, open up those concert venues. So bring the staff back. <laughs> so my, uh, so actually, uh, uh, I'm working. Um, I can't, I can't tell you too much about this, unfortunately, because it's still. Uh, but it's with, it, it deals with FEMA, it deals with the military, it deals with OWS. We're thinking about trying to get to a point where not having something in between the job shop of the Walgreens and the scaled operations of Ford Field, what would happen if we could put a factory on wheels? And we're looking at the military to help us do that right now. Um, the I way mean, we, the way, you know, drive-throughs, I'm just saying, yeah. get you a, you know, double cheeseburger Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> there you go. Two million served, right? How many I mean, million served? The way they run through those chicken sandwiches. Hey, there was uh, there was there was just some place in the news today here in Michigan, uh, some dispensary that said, you know, they're they're trying to organize a uh, a pot for a shot uh, promo go. event where you know, hey, come, they're going to set up a vaccination thing, and you know, you you get a free pre rolled joint uh, with with every t- with every vaccination. Hey, it'll it'll take the sting out of that vaccine. Exactly. So that, 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 <laughs> you may have some adverse effects from that. <laughs> but well, you know that you know the other thing that really works is 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 lotteries. And I, I've been in a lot of these countries where they say we're going to put a big pool. Everyone, you know, we'll throw a big pool of this is like the Nigeria. You know, everyone every time a shot gets thrown, a dollar gets dropped in the pool. At the end of a, a year, you know, one lucky guy gets ten billion bucks. And I'll tell you, the vaccination rates go from like twenty percent to eighty percent. Oh, of course, well. yeah. So we can just they're there's their carrot their carrot opportunities all over the place in this space uh, to get to be more vaccinated. At any rate, we think that these mobile units are are a good way to go. Uh, it's been it's on the table now with uh, the new administration. We'll see whether that happens. There are a whole bunch of positives uh, to it. Uh, it's a little bit too early to say whether they actually going to do this, but this is something the military could do. National Guard. Uh, you know, in Michigan, they should they should organize the National Guard more effectively. I think they get this out better. Um, oh, so here, oh, here's the uh, the analysis that we did. Uh, this is about Monte Carlo simulation. We did over a thousand simulations to see the difference in one dose and two dose. Again, two dose is slightly more variable. You get a, a bad lag effect here, uh, uh, kind of around the middle of the year. This is the best possible scenario, but you can see that hump I was worried about. Right, the gray mm-hmm. shows that you got a peak. Uh, in, uh, in kind of late January, and then we start dropping back down again, and then we get that next peak where it comes back up again to the bearing, and that's really scary for us, so that's what we're worried about. Uh, anyway, we think that we're going to have issues with uh, a few of the different segments out there. We call these skeptical laggards. These are the people who don't want to take the vaccine right away. They want to be second, third, fourth, and they let, let Joanne do it I first. I freely, freely admit that I'm right there. But. <laughs> we, we think we can convince people like yourself <laughs> over the course oh, of the year. Oh, no. I, oh, it won't even take a year. Like I said, I just, you know, give it give it a few months. I, yeah, I just, you know, yeah. and, and, I, and I'm in. Complete, completely reasonable. You yep. want to see what happens to the normal person out there? So we think we can convince. 
eventually. Then there's some angry disbelievers. We don't think we can do much with the angry disbelievers. We think their, their minds are pretty much made up. They don't really want to hate this. Then we have the cultural resistors. These are uh, these are people of color, who, and frankly, you know, the, the, we've made some really bad mistakes yep. in the healthcare system, you know, uh, and uh, they are rightfully res- reserved. Uh, but we think we can convince slowly but surely about half of those. And then we have the anti-vaxxers, and there's no way. They're, they're not going to take the vaccine. So when you look at the total resistance, we think we're going to probably be kind of at about a 60% willingness rate in, across the United States. 60% are willing to take but we know that we need to bet about 82% to take the vaccine to herd immunity. So, you know, and we have about 10% who are probably going to be sick. So that we're still 12% away from herd immunity, which means it's going to be patchy, right? You're going to have some some places herd immunity, some places other not herd immunity. I don't think we're going to quite make it, especially with this new variation, though. When it's all in the new variation, that really pushes you toward being 20% off. Right. And, and I, I don't think we're going to win the battle, uh, at least not this coming year for full herd immunity. Um, here's the way uh, the, the United States looks as far as willingness to take a vaccine. And you can see that um, luckily, Wisconsin is pretty willing, uh, as much willing to take a vaccine as we are, but uh, Indiana, Ohio, Chicago, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, Illinois, what's we're the, surrounded by states who don't really want to take the vaccine. They're what's the very likely? Is that Ann Arbor or what's That's the... Washington County, yeah. Washington County. <laughs> they already have the mutant in place, so they, they started saying, sign me up. <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, you know, up up, uh, up in the UP, we've got some, you know, people who want uh, Saginaw, that Saginaw County, who is the lo- most resistant, and they're probably going to be around 55%. Probably. I mean, if you switch that yellow... To red, this map would look pretty similar to another map that is common for this country. <laughs> yeah, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but just, just an observation. Just, just putting that out there, yeah. Yeah. I say, who did this study? MSNBC, uh, perhaps? <laughs> it was, no, no. This it was, was CNN, at, Bob. This was done at Carnegie. This is done at Carnegie Mellon. They, they did they did this uh, did a survey of, I think it's plus or minus 2%, uh, kind of like 15,000 recipients. They actually did a, every county. And they went through it. And they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty diligent about this. And man, I haven't thought of that. I I didn't realize Louisiana was possibly that red. I thought Texas was redder, but Texas is. I guess they're turning purple. Yeah, it's it's sort of interesting. It's, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm gonna have to now. I want to go do an overlay. I'm curious. Yeah, I it's am. all the, it's all it's all the people that fled California because of the taxes and the laws that go to Texas <laughs> right. and then still vote the same way. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I, I, I hadn't I hadn't realized that that is something that is pretty wild, isn't it? Ooh. Wow. Well, Georgia Georgia just turned blue, didn't they officially? So that that would that would be an out an out. Yeah, well, barely. Yeah, barely. Wow. But yeah, it's interesting. It does follow political lines a little bit, uh, more than a little bit. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. A good, a great point. I I just pulled this up today. This is the first time it's been published. So no, it doesn't it doesn't match because if you go back like. The mid, the hot upper Midwest, and like yeah, the South is like very no, and it's yeah. you know the whole upper Midwest is a lot yes. So yeah, I, I don't think it does match. Yeah. It might be, but and like knows. I said, it'd be interesting to do an overlay and just yeah, yeah. So like, you wonder wonder about causality. I mean, maybe. <laughs> well, or or you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have causation and then you have coincidence, but I mean, exactly. it, it'd, it'd be interesting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's uh. So the, the way that we're really going to lose this is, is actually social media. The reason that I think we're going to really miss this is social media. And so right now, this, this is a shot of 1,300 views that followed 85 million people through uh, the question about vaccinations generally. 
And this was in 2019. This is before COVID, but you can see that basically there are two big groups. The first group is the people who are scientists and vaccination advocates generally, uh, right? And then there's another group that's very, that's anti-vax and they are against vaccinations. And then there's a much larger group, kind of about 50% of the population who are really trying to figure things out. They're not really sure, but you can see that generally the anti-vaxxers are pulling more of the green over to them and the blue are over to them. So the fight is for that middle, the hesitant, right? That people who are sort of on the edge, not really sure. On the advocacy side, what happens is that the, the scientists feel an obligation to ethical obligation to tell the truth. And we always talk about things like there's a 20% chance this will happen. There's an 80% chance. That, we never really talk in absolutes. And there's always a chance that something else will happen. We're still, everything's sort of an experiment. Things take a long time to figure things out. Uh, you're, we're not very, we're sort of in our little silos. The epidemiologists talk to epidemiologists, virologists talk to epidemiologists. We don't, talk, they don't talk to each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know, you know, and so we're in our little silos and we're, and we're, we're not very attentive to what, what the public really thinks. We say, we have our data, you know, the numbers will talk. They will, they will convince people. And of course, so, you know, uh, uh, they're not going to be terribly, they're not going to win this war, right? They're not going to be, right. the anti-vaxxers on the other hand, they are super emotional. They, they engage you emotionally. They've got lots of partners. They're, you know, if you touch a site that's sort of on childhood nutrition, you're going to get invited to an anti-vax site, almost 100%. They've got lots of scale. They're, they're, they're motivated. Um, and they are focused on trying to convince the undecided to come over to them. Uh, and the, basically the undecided are sitting in the middle. They don't really trust the institutions. They, you know, they're hearing a lot of conflicting opinions they want to have. And they're constantly hitting that refresh button. No, what's happened today? Right. The truth is, not much happens in science today. A lot of happens in. in <laughs> I mean, it's amazing how much stuff happens. Aliens have landed in Wisconsin. I don't, right. I don't know. Where lots of stuff happens every day on the anti-vaxxers. On, on, on the, on the, so at any rate, and the real problem is that that you know, this quote. Uh, this is a face. This is a quote from a Facebook executive. Two thirds of the time, this is a, from a study that a user joins an extremist book on Facebook. It's because. Our algorithms actually recommended that experience. So there, there's just a lot of, you know, so they're going to be attracted over to us. What was interesting is that, um, it turns out that there's a, a group in the UK that actually monitors what's going on. Uh, it's not in the US. In the, in the US, they actually look at how much false information, demonstrably false information is flowing through the internet. And on average, get, 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 this guess how much false information, you know, talk about, Oh, I'm I'm it, I'm going better than fifty percent. It has to be. No, not not a percentage. of the volume? The, the, the Bob's number. What what's the number? You know, a hundred you know, per hour. Per, gosh, I, I'll throw. I don't know, quarter million. Wow. No, it's about ten thousand demonstrably in incorrect stuff flowing through per hour on on average. And interestingly, on the day of and the day before. The white. The reason I, I know this is because there was a big publication that said on the day of this is Wall Street Journal, so not you know it wasn't a, a scientific journal or anything, and it wasn't terribly it's very conservative, so uh, you know uh, not, not terribly radical or anything. They said because the numbers went up to forty thousand per hour, they decided to shut down uh, you know Donald Trump's account and a few other things because it was just you know, the, the amount of false. We actually talked. We actually talked about that earlier on the show where oh. they the uh, the the like they noted what a drastic yeah. like nosedive that number took after they blocked his account. Yeah, yeah, about about thirty seven percent, as I recall, something like that. 
Uh, I'd, I'd be interested in the numbers because I'm, I'm looking at this closely because I'm interested in the anti-vax movements as, as, as something that we have to sort of think about right. in terms of achieving herd immunity. So here's so the biggest issue, as you know, is that basically these 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 sites, uh, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Medium, Reddit, all those groups. Basically, their job is to sift through all the information, and they got these algorithms. And basically, the two big algorithms: one puts you into Here's here's here we understand something about you. Here's someone who's like you, and here's what they what the person who's like you likes to look at. Therefore, we're recommending these things to look at. The other type of algorithm actually is one that doesn't even require they 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 know anything about you. They can just start to say we notice that you you know your your location is now Chicago. Uh, it was St. Louis. Here's all the new restaurants in Chicago, right? and you can see if they yep. click and they, and they like that. And then they don't even have to know anything about you, and they can start to you know direct stuff in your direction. The problem is that if you're talking about health stuff, it, it turns out who says something matters. If you have a PhD or an MD, chances are <laughs> you're, you're probably going to be more informed than someone who doesn't have those degrees. Go, go figure. And, yeah. and go figure. And unfortunately, the internet engines don't really look at that. They look at how many memes and how popular the facts ideas and how you know interesting it is and how many hits you get. How many followers you have. How many, yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're qualified in any way or not. So it turns out that in this game, um, the pro leaders are going to lose it. There's no way they can win this game, right? And, and, and that's and this is where the the battle for hearts and minds and deciding whether you're going to take your vaccine uh, or not and achieving herd immunity is really going to happen. We're at that range where you know that that extra twenty percent that the anti-vaxxers are being convinced not to take the vaccine or to not take that second dose or you know, not be as vigilant as normal. Is going to make a big difference. Well, I mean, and, and that's a, I mean, that's a sad, just general reality, isn't it? That I mean, emotion will almost always trump logic. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the other big thing is we are, we are programmed to think that if we do something, it's risky. That's our nat. You know, if you go out and hunt for a mastodon, you know, you're gonna, you know, uh, those those guys didn't come back as often as the guys right. who waited for the mastodon to come for them. You know? <laughs> And well, so it's again, it's it's the Bob theory. Either I can wake up at five in the morning or four in the morning and go fishing, or I can wake up at noon and the fish will be there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so so it, it, it turns out that you're you're kind of naturally thinking that if I do something, it's risky. In this case, actually, not vaccinating is a lot riskier than vaccinating, but it's not part of our mindset or thinking. And then that it, it really makes a big difference. So at any rate, we're probably going to lose this. And what's interesting is. The U.S. is not alone in this. In, the, in this, we're in the middle as far as va- vaccination plus vaccination minus. France is a disaster. You can see it's just off the charts bad. China, meanwhile, they're all saluting and saying, "Yes, let's take the vaccine." I can't tell you how much challenge I had, you know, trying to introduce meningitis vaccines and other uh, and other parts of the world because of the traditional medicines, the witch doctors, and so on in Africa and so on. Uh, there, there, I mean, it, there's a lot of resistance to vaccination and new medicine and change of, of any kind in all countries. Okay, so, why? The, the honestly, the first thing that just jumped out at me: why is it that everybody except the U.S. Yes, we're an outlier. You're had right. it, it, there were more people that said yes in October than did in December. Isn't that other wild? than us? I I don't know. Uh, is the answer? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's really interesting. I think it's because we had uh, basically the U.S. bet big on vaccines. I mean, we had by far sort of sadly, the, the, we were the, the worst impacted by COVID uh, because we didn't use traditional measures right. as well as others. 
uh, and there were a few mistakes that we made here and there. Uh, so uh, we we knew that if our vaccines work, we would we would rise in stature. I think, and I and, I, and competitively on an international basis, uh, we bet on vaccines. We made a big bet on vaccine. It was a long shot bet, and it came through. And when that happens, there's, I mean, you're sort of proud of that, right? I mean, hey, uh, and so we were the only country in the world, really, that bet this heavily on vaccine, you know, and, 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 and it came through. And we knew that it was coming through October, November, December. That's when we had the announcement. So I, that's the only thing I can think Interesting. of. Interesting. Okay. That Does that make sense? Yep. I don't know. That, that was, that's my theory. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, that's just, that's the first thing that jumped out at me when I was looking at it. So, yeah. But this, this is wild. That is, you know, this is a, a survey of over 15,000 people around the world. And you're right. U.S. is an absolute outlier. It's the only one that moved positive. So that's a good sign. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe we're on our way. And uh, so, uh, so basically, there are three scenarios I think are going to happen, right? Uh, we're going to either, so the gray line indicates what's happening if we don't have a vaccine. And that's, that's not a good situation, right? We're going to go through peaks and valleys and cycles and highs. And, and we're, we're, you know, if, and we, we, we will have over a million people dying of the vaccine over two years, of, of, the, of, the, of COVID over two years without a vaccine, over, well over a million. Um, now, the purple line is if everything goes perfectly. And we know already we're off track for that. So we know we're going to be somewhere between that purple line and the gray line. And the question is, what's the most likely scenario? And I think we'll know a lot in October, around Halloween, we'll know whether or not we've got a, 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 a vaccine that is capable of avoiding uh, being really you know, transformative or whether or not the virus is able to make adjustments, have mutations and escape the vaccine slightly uh, so that we're going to have you know, ups and downs for some time. Um, so that's sort of where, where, where we are in terms of the, of, of the best and worst scenarios. And what I did is I said, so what's the, what, what is a, a case where the vaccine works? And if the case of the vaccine works is you're going to have a peak and it's going to come down and it's going to stay down. And that's the best part. That's the, and that requires um, that we have, this is for a perfect vaccine. This is for a vaccine that, uh, do, that, that doesn't allow uh, transmission uh, at a 65% plus rate. It's still 95% effective in symptomology uh, that we have 60% of people taking it. That we have no more emergent strains, uh, the, vaccine, the virus behaves, everything works perfectly. And you can see that, you know, kind of by the end of next year, we're down at a nice steady state level. That's probably going to be very livable. It's going to feel like we're going to, you know, kind of lose maybe 80,000 people a year. That's manageable. Uh, and that's something that's in the, in the range of the flu, worse than the flu, but in the range of uh, the flu, it's, it's, it's something we can live with. It's a, yeah, it's at least more comparable than what's going on now. Absolutely. Right. So, and then... But the question was, under what situations could this not be the case? You know, because right now we've got one of the best vaccines ever, period. I mean, we have a really good vaccine. So if, if it turns out the vaccine, so what was necessary for us to move back into a situation where it wasn't so good? And the answer, sadly, isn't, isn't too much. The first thing has to happen is that the immunity isn't lasting very long. The second is the vaccine refusal is about 50%. Right now, it's about, you know, right now, vaccine refusal is about 60%. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, it's about 40%. Right. So it has to increase by 20%. That the second dose compliant is the, is average. Believe it or not, when we require more than one dose of a vaccine, that you've got to take two doses, they're not protected. Half the people, half the people won't come back to the second dose. <laughs> 
<laughs> so if we're average, right? No, I'm just telling you, I, I, I know it's impossible to believe, but yeah, this is really how it happens. <laughs> so if we are average, uh, right now, I'm sorry, it's 54%. So 46% of people don't come back for their second dose on average. If we are sort of at that rate, slightly worse than that rate, and um, that we start to, you know, we start to um, get tired out. That you know, you can see that 2021 goes through some peaks, and then 2022 is 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 actually a worse year than 2021, and a very large, devastating peak. And it happens, and, and that cycle occurs over and over again, uh, with a very high, you know, tight, high peak of deaths. Then descending very rapidly back in control again. High peak of deaths descending back in control. So now just thinking about like that's very Spanish flu like, right? Yeah, 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 exactly right. And unfortunately, this, because this is more, uh, it's about as transmittable as the Spanish flu. That's that was the new, the new variant is about as transmittable as Spanish flu, but it's, uh, this is more deadly. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah. Uh, actually, it, it's very similar to Spanish flu. Even the death rates are about this. Yeah. So, so it doesn't take that much to tip us over the edge. Is all I'm saying. So suppose we are in between. You know, we've got some areas of herd immunity, some areas of, of, of non-herd immunity, right? You're protected, unprotected, and you're moving between these environments. Well, if you've got the vac, if you've been vaccinated, you're pretty safe. But if you haven't been vaccinated, you really got to worry because there, you know, if you're working at an airport, if you're working near from an airport, someone flies in from Mexico, or you know, you don't have a much lower level of vaccination. For example, I'm not saying if you will or won't, but you know, another country with a lower of vaccination, that person is then becomes asymptomatic and they can easily transmit it to you. You've got too much international travel, too much work, you know, moving in and out of different, different bubbles, some of which are protected and not. You're, and so, uh, as someone who doesn't take the vaccine, you're going to have to really be really careful, uh, in order to remain protected in this environment. If you do take the vaccine, you will be protected 95%, at least for a while. And that's fabulous. You know, there is still a 5% chance you're going to get the disease. Now, if you don't have to, if you're not transmitting, then you don't have to start, you can start not wearing your face mask and still not worry about transmitting for people that we're still finding out that that's the case. But you're still going to have bubbles, right? You're going to have bubbles at home. Uh, and you're going to, and so, uh, you're going to have to test your antigen levels to make sure that you don't have an active case. You're going to have to do serology testing to see what your antibody levels are every once in a while to make sure you're still protected and make sure that you know, the vaccine is still working. You're probably going to have to take some boosters every once in a while. You're going to be much more aware of when you get into situations that you're not comfortable with, like, gosh, this Myers field is really crowded right now. Maybe I don't want to go in. Or that conference room doesn't look like it's very well, well better. You'll start to be <laughs> a lot more aware of what's going on, just like today. You know, when you before 9-11, after 9-11, you know, what's that guy doing with that funny bag, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're starting to get much, you're, gonna, you're just getting more aware. It's a little bit, it, it'll be different. Uh, work venues. You'll probably have, you'll probably come into work. You'll probably have to take a temperature test. You'll probably have to say whether you've gotten vaccinated or not. If you haven't been vaccinated, you'll probably have to take regular, the regular, uh, tests for whether or not you've got an active virus or not. There'll be new distancing. There'll be new detection systems in place. There may be some dogs that sniff you out. There may be some new, you know, uh, everyday kind of tests you're taking on saliva based. Uh, then you move to the community state level. They'll be aggregating what's happening at the workplace, what's happening at all the venues, what's happening at the bars, figuring out whether those overall temperature rise for, you know, uh, oh gosh, Lapeer, it looks like we're, you know, 0 0.3 degrees higher and, uh, degrees Fahrenheit for average temperature, uh, people, uh, out there, you know, maybe, maybe they're having an outbreak. They'll be doing a lot more work with, with sewage and figuring out whether we're getting new variants and strains. We're going to be testing genetically a lot more. 
uh, to understand there'll be a lot more active surveillance. So that'll be at the community level. And this is again between the time where everyone's vaccinated and having herd immunity versus not. I think it's going to be a year or two. Uh, and then nationally, we're going to there'll be, be a big difference between com- countries that are looking at control versus eradication. So eradication strategies. You, you come into China, you're going to get uh, a, a special passport. You're going to be asked to sign in everywhere you go with, with, with that passport. Same thing with with with, uh, with Australia. If you go, if you, if you turn out to be you know positive for a virus, you're going to be in quarantine and probably be sent home. Um, you know that that kind of level of of of, of the restraint versus just trying to get, remain in control. If I need to you know, get a test before you fly, get a test when you land, um, you know, uh, and then come back to another set of tests. And then uh, there'll probably be, you know, agreements about what you're going to need in order to get in and out of certain countries. So with that, here's the personal level management. You're going to need to understand what's going on. And uh, you'll have to manage your bubbles on a personal basis. So if you want to go to the bingo club, you know, you'll probably want to say, well, in order to come to our club, you know, we want to make sure you have vaccine, plus you've got an active test and you want to have a serology test that's, you know, less than four months old. You say, okay. And then if that bingo club starts to have outbreaks, you're going to say, ah, I don't want to go to that bingo club. Maybe go to the other bingo club because this doesn't have the outbreaks. Right. So you'll start to monitor and, the, and these little bubbles will have ways of testing, right? Then you have the group test bubble. Sometimes bubbles will burst because they'll have a big outbreak. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll start to manage that. And, and uh, eventually, I think there'll be some ways of us doing that actually with a uh, with with some electronics, and especially in other countries, uh, you'll have a lot of these kind of electronics available. Um, and then we'll start to roll that all up into national and international. Today, what we do is we actually do testing, like your, this is what England did, uh, and this this report just came out last week, and they said, you know, we were all worried about China in January, and we shut down all travel to China. We said no more Chinese travelers coming in. And you can see that basically we did that in, in, in January. And you know what? We killed off the China virus. There's no more China virus. Unfortunately, we had a few big groups going to Venice. <laughs> they came back. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it turned out at that point, we should have shut everyone to Venice. We didn't detect that. Sorry about that. And then Spain came through. Then a little bit later, we all went to Spain because it was a little warmer down there. We got cold, miserable in England. We all went to Spain. And uh, it just blew up. And uh, we're really sorry, China, that we completely screwed up our trade relationship. <laughs> we didn't allow anyone to come in. Had international problems. But today, we can tell you we're terribly sorry. That wasn't the case at all. That's that's what we were that's what we were doing, and, and uh, England did. And that literally, that this report just came out a week ago. And and now we can actually say, guess what? There's a new variant. It's B one point one point seven. We have it. It's this much more, uh, you know, it's this much more contagious. We have this many flights going to these different places in the country. Uh, so let's start to test in those areas and talk, and talk to these people about what they're seeing in those countries. Right now, we're starting to get proactive. In the past, we could say, oh, this is sort of what the United States is today. Right? We could tell you, oh, you know, seven months ago, we had this problem. It turned out it was a bad problem. We had COVID. And we said, no kidding. You know what? <laughs> Why didn't we find out about now? Oh, right. We're not set up for that, right? That was that's different than monitoring and action. All right, so I want I want to be smart. We're that's we're right. we're coming up on midnight. Oh my god! So I should just tell you really quickly. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just tell you really quickly. The forecast. We're coming up on midnight. Holy we god. really are. Yeah, that's okay. So at any rate, I think that this is what we're going to look like uh, this year. We're going to have a, a scare in March. Uh, we're going to have peaks of four fifty. I think by April we'll be coming back down again. Vaccine will start to kick in. Six hundred eight thousand total people, fifty extra thousand deaths. That's as many people that died as died in combat in Vietnam War. Just think about that. 
And here's the new variant. That'll be 160,000 deaths a day. Uh, by this point, by the way, will be uh, you know 608,000 deaths. That's a lot of deaths. When you look at that in context, um, we're getting to the point of killing off as many people by April as have been killed off in combat in every war we fought. And if you look at the excess deaths, it's even higher than that. Right. So uh, with that, here's what things look like. We're right now at about one or two percent overall vaccination rates, uh, and we've got a little ways to go. So uh, if you want, I can come back in a little bit and tell you how we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like this is uh, these are always crazily like uh, informative, like that. I. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, and that's why I love these is because the brain dump. I feel like okay now, <laughs> well, because again, like okay now I know, like uh, you know, because I I I do. I have I have every expectation now that you're going to see a, a a flurry of activity in bars and restaurants and that kind of stuff, and it's almost going to be a self fulfilling prophecy where you know everybody's going to go nuts that first week of February. Guess what? By the time the end of February, March rolls around, you're going to see that super spike, you know, huge, in, you know, influx of cases. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, it's just it's just the nature of the beast. Um, we don't want to, you know, have a live home by this little virus. But the truth is that, uh, you know, it's still dangerous out there. The, Hopefully the vaccines will kick in, though, kind of uh, June, July, August time frame. Really start to see a, a, a decrease. And then by next fall for this next school year, you know, We'll, we'll, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving will be a lot more normal unless we see this mutant come up. And we should know that in October where that that mutant is 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 is, is causing us problems or not. Crazy, but yeah, I, I thought I, I thought we'd be done talking about this last March. Uh, one April. one could have only hoped that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Fred. Again, seriously, Pleasure. thank you so much for taking the time to. to and, like, and and by all means, email that to me. I will get it out with the show notes and everything else for people to pay attention to. Um, yeah, I mean the the time you spend educating us on this stuff is is invaluable to me, and and I get a lot of great feedback from people that they that it, as much as it freaks them out, they look forward to it and value it as well. So well, we've got a couple of great vaccines. I hope they hold. I hope they're durable. I hope they remain efficacious as they do. We'll be in much better shape. If, and there's a small chance that we have some leakage and, and some escapes. And if we if we let that go, a lot of control, it'll be, you know, we'll be back in the soup. Gotcha. <laughs> so hopefully we'll, we'll 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 know that soon. Yep. Yeah, and I had some I had some leakage during the show, but I hit the hit the mute button. <laughs> nice, Bob. <laughs> All right, so yeah, and obviously you know you can find Fred at fredbrown.com. Uh, check him out there. Us word it and the d.com. Um, Bob, do your thing. Take us out. Yeah, it's going to wrap things up for episode three eighty three and 384 of the IT. <laughs> it <Show>. might be. <laughs> I'd like to thank Fred Brown, fredbrown.com. On behalf of Bob, Dave, and Randy, do us a favor, drink up your drinks, get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it. See you guys. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, you guys.